Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Well, uh, we've been going through uh, a series. If you've not been with us over the last couple of uh, weeks, we've been walking through a series looking at Psalm 119. And um, it's, a, it's a long psalm. It's a, a lot of Scripture there. But we've been jumping from moment after moment as, as the writer of this psalm has spent time laying out his life and laying out his challenges and laying out his issues and getting to moments within the psalm where he stops and says, God, revive me. Help me be revived again in my life. And it leads us to where we go today. And, and, and I hope today is, is a little informative to our lives, but also it's a little encouraging to our futures. I, I trust that the Word of God does that today. Now, uh, let me give you a brief insight into the McDonald family. Uh, my dad's not here today. He actually has COVID today. So he's home and I'm well pleased to be praying for dad because um, he's old and he needs your prayer. Uh, but he's unwell uh, with COVID. But the McDonald family, if I'm honest, I stand before you trying to be honest, is a little odd. Uh, we're a family that doesn't mind conflict. Now, I know we got people around here that try and dodge conflict all the time. Uh, we, we don't mind conflict in the McDonald household. My brother-in-law, uh, Andrew, is, is sitting down here in the um, maroon shirt. He's not a maroon supporter. He's worse. He's a manly supporter. He's a phlegmatic personality that walked into a McDonald household where conflict is normal. And conflict doesn't always come as a negative thing. Pastor Wendy, when she married into the McDonald family, the first time she sat down at a family dinner together, she left thinking that our family was about to be divorced. Uh, She's like, how do you guys even talk to each other like that? Now, a general conversation around the dinner table when it comes to the McDonald family is this. Whoever speaks the loudest gets to speak. The quiet folks in the room get to sit quietly in the corner. You've got to speak loud. And I'll be honest, other than me, which I'm perfect, but the rest of the McDonald family are highly opinionated. Highly opinionated. You know, their opinions are always right and their opinion must be heard. So family conversations usually start with uh, something that's happened and now everybody in the room has to bring their opinions across whilst the in-laws sit quietly in the corner and try not to be involved because conflict is a part of our family. At the end of the conversation, We just walk on with life and nobody's upset. Nobody's frustrated. We've just talked out our conversation. It's all done. We high five and go on with life. Conflict is normal within our family environment when it comes to those conversations. Listen, some of you may be like me. Some of you may be the opposite. Conflict is normal, but it goes outworked in a very negative fashion. Now, listen, my wife feels like sometimes that it's a negative fashion, but it's just how we grew up and how we talked around the dinner table and I have a very loud dad. I have an incredibly loud sister. And I may also be loud every now and then. I'll just be honest. So conflict. We do that. We talk. You know what? We, even if we don't have a different opinion, we'll come up with a different one just to have an argument through that and just to bring our own opinion. That's, that's, listen, that's our normal dinner table conversations. And it finishes 
and we just go on with life. No one's upset. No one's frustrated by it. It's just the normal McDonald conversation around the table. Listen, conflict's part of life. Can I encourage you? This is a side note to my message. Learn how to do conflict well. Learn how to do it well in business. Learn how to do it well within relationships. And if you're planning on ever being married or you are married, learn how to do it well in marriage. Uh, I, was, I was talking to uh, Pastor Mike Mulheron yesterday. We were at a, at a friend's birthday party and his son has just recently got married. And he was telling me in the whole time they've dated and the last month of marriage, they've never had a single fight. I'm just like, oh my Lord, does that even exist in life? That is the craziest thing in the world to think of because conflict exists. Listen, conflict exists in the Word of God. There's biblical conflict. There's conflict in trying to understand the God and His Word to us. There's conflict that exists within us in trying to understand both aspects of the Word of God or the many different aspects of the Word of God. I want to today spend some time talking through a bit of biblical conflict that goes on in our lives and and it's the conflict of God's love. The conflict of love that exists in us and through us and, and speaks to us. Listen, if, if I spend time in the Word of God speaking through this, I could spend all day, honestly. I could read through the whole Bible and jump through this conflict of love. There's so much there. The Gospels are wrapped up in the conflict of love. Jesus hanging on the cross is the conflict of love. The, the outworking of that within our lives is the conflict of love that goes on inside of us. And I want to spend some time, if I can, walking through this, starting in Psalm 119, looking at revive again today. Psalm 119, and we're going to go to verse 149. Here the writer says this, Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. We spoke about this last week. Revive us to your loving kindness. O Lord, revive me according to your justice. Let me jump down now to Psalm 119 again, verse 156. Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your judgments. Now here we have two different English words. We have justice and judgments. Let me be really clear if we go back to the ancient Hebrew, we only have one word. It's the same word and it's interpreted two different ways in the English language for us to look at to make us totally confused because we have a terrible language of English trying to grasp the greatness of what this word actually is. This word is mishpat, the, the Hebrew word. And if we're going to look at this word and look at what it really means, we look at the, the act of deciding a case. If there's a judge there with his hammer, he's trying to decide a case and what's the outworking of that case. Or it could even mean the actual judgment seat that that judge is sitting upon for that case. Uh, it talks about, uh, that word talks about litigation that gets brought before a judge. It's, it's talking about the judgments of our life. Now, can I just for a moment here, just touch on the conflict that exists in this place. Listen to what he says there. I thank you, God, for your loving kindness. I thank you, God, for your tender mercies. But revive me according to your judgments that are there on my life. Listen, there is a 
vast conflict that exists within these two uh, scriptures that we see right here. It's the conflict of a loving God with tender mercies towards me, whom judges me. You know, I, I look around the world today, if there is a statement the world today hates, it is that I'm being judged. Don't judge me for my actions. Don't judge me by what I do. Don't judge me. We live in a world today that hates to be judged, that hates to see judgment put against them. But here David writes in the midst of this psalm that is a picture of his life that he has written over the whole lifetime that he lives in. He makes these statements, God, I thank you. I hear the voice of your loving kindnesses towards my life, but revive me again as you judge the actions of my world and the actions of my today. In fact, he goes and says, how great is your tender mercy towards me, O God, but revive me again towards your judgment and your direction on my life in who I am. Listen, there's a tear here. There's a conflict here. And, and it's a conflict of love versus judgment. Love versus a God that says, what you're doing is wrong right now. Love against a God that says, your actions now aren't right. How you're living, how you're thinking, how you're believing isn't right. I love you, but you're wrong. I love you, but stop doing what you're doing. I love you, but something needs to change. I love you, but how you're living your life right now is leading to destruction. We live in a torn society that can't grapple with this conflict that exists. In our society today, and, and maybe some of us have gone through university and, and have heard the conflict so eloquently put by lecture after lecture. Maybe some of you are in the midst of that today. and Maybe some of you are in the midst of the challenge of society and watching it on the news, watching it right now as it exists right across our community. It is the tear in society that is wrapped up in the conflict of a loving God who says what you're doing is wrong, you need to change. It's a challenge. It exists right now within us. It exists right now within our community, within the society that we live in today. I think as a father, and I, I try and grapple my mind around it as a dad, I have a son sitting in the front row whom I love dearly. A son who is about to turn 20, no longer a teenager. I wonder how a 25-year-old can have a 20-year-old son. It's incredible. About to turn 20 and and I, and I think on this son who I used to be able to, when he was born, hold in my two hands like this. Now I can't hold in my arms like that. He's grown and I'm proud of and is a wonderful young man. And he's actually going to be preaching tonight at our night service for his first time, which is amazing. But listen, this son that I love, whom is doing a good job in life, has made some mistakes along his journey. And I've come as a dad saying, I love you, but let's just go and have a conversation in your room for a few minutes. I love you, but listen, there needs to be some discipline on this area of your life. I love you, but I just need to massage areas of your life to help the direction that you have. A friend of mine posted a meme just recently and we got that image. Can we bring up that image that I sent you guys? 
you don't have that meme image if we could bring that up that would be amazing if we don't uh, I saw a meme uh, just recently on a friend's post and uh, that meme was along the lines of this I grew up in a generation whose parents spanked me and I got a psychological disorder which is respect for others seemingly very different to most of the psychological disorders here we go that's the one known as respect for others can I have an amen from somebody that grew up in a generation like mine listen I'm not saying that how you parent is how you parent but I tell you what my loving father loved me sometimes very directly and very succinctly with his judgments on my attitudes and my behavior in life and I am grateful that his belt directed me to the life that I live today because I know it directly did. Listen, we have a God that walks through the same conflict. And as a father, I, I can grapple with it and start to understand it. I love my son, but there's times when I said, son, you're doing the wrong thing. You need to change. Your attitude needs to change. Your behaviour needs to change. Your thinking needs to change. And listen, he's a stubborn McDonald, so he rejected that most of the time. But that's okay. That's the journey of growing as a young man, a young woman. And this is the journey that we have in life. And listen, King David is walking through his life. We know the story of King David. There's times when he was firing for God. There was times when he was failing in life. And in amongst this, he says, God, thank you that you love me. Thank you, you have tender mercies towards me. But listen, I need to be revived back to the reality that how I'm living is not right. I need to come back to your judgments that direct my life, the judgments that direct who I am. I love how uh, the NLT puts verse 156. Lord, how great is your mercy. Listen, let me be revived by following your regulations. What a thought. That we are revived in our lives, that we are revived back to God through coming back to His Word that directs us, to His Word that comes and realigns us. We live in a broken generation, a, a generation that is caught up in just live how I feel, live how I walk. I feel like in amongst this, the Holy Spirit's breathing on today and saying, let us be revived by the reality that God's still trying to direct our lives into truth of who He wants us to be. Into truth to the reality that our brokenness and our decision-making process is not leading us the right way. Listen, take five minutes and look at your news feeds this afternoon and you will see that we need a revival back to the direction and the judgments of God for our lives, for our community and for who we are. Listen, I'm not preaching law today and don't feel that I am. I'm not preaching law. The Bible tells us we're freed from the law. But listen, we aren't freed from the reality of walking against the law and walking away from God's direction for our life. Last week, I spent time talking about the challenge of love and God calling us back to love and calling us back to do that. But today I want to spend some time talking through this conflict and, and we've got to start with love. What does John 3.16 tell us? For God so loved. And, and if we read it in the Amplified, He so loved and dearly prized the world. He even gave up His only begotten unique Son that so whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to and relies on Him 
shall not perish, shall not come to destruction, shall not be lost, but will have eternal, everlasting life. The New King James says, whoever believes on Him shall not die, but have everlasting life. Listen, I want you to pay attention to what he's saying here. The, the words he's saying, shall not come to destruction, shall not be lost, shall not die. This conflict exists in the reality that a God loves us so much that He doesn't want the brokenness and destruction that seems to be normal in today's living. It seems to be normal in the culture all around us, the, the brokenness and the destruction of lifestyles lived contrary to the Word of God, contrary to truth, contrary to the direction that God has for our life that simply cause destruction. I understand that the death He talks here isn't just physical death, it's spiritual death. It's a death to our conscience. It's a death to the life that God wants us to live. If we go on and look in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul again writes powerfully, he says, but God's so rich, uh, so rich is He in His mercy because of and in order to satisfy the great, wonderful and intense love with which He loved us. Listen, every aspect of this starts in the love of God. Now I know this is the challenge of culture, grappling with the love of God. Everything starts there. But it goes on, he says, and even when we were dead, when we were slain to our own shortcomings and trespasses. Anyone walk into this room knowing that that was me once? As I stand before you preaching the Word, knowing that I have been dead in my trespasses and dead in my sin. I've been slain in it. I've been slain in my life away from the truth that's in the Word of God, away from who God has called me to be. I've been so dead there, but He made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ Himself, the same new life which He quickened Him. For it is by grace, His favour and mercy, which you don't deserve, that you are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. Listen, he talks about being delivered from judgment in the reality that we have salvation in Christ. It is the beautiful work of the cross. In the coming weeks, the reason we celebrate Easter so much, it is a beautiful work of the cross that puts us all in this place enabled to access His grace. I want to be really clear. Not one of us walks to Jesus perfected. We come as we are to Jesus. Listen, I come with stench of sin. I came with the stench of brokenness. I came with the stench of addiction. I came with the stench of wrong mindsets. I came with an inability to find the reality of Christ. And I came to Jesus and His grace was enough for me. I don't want to come into the law today. I want us to come with the reality and the beauty of grace. But I also need to come through that to the conflict of God's direction in our lives. I come through grace to the direction that God has for me as Tim McDonald. Tim, you come broken. You come in despair. You come with the wrong mindsets. You come lost. You come through grace to the reality that you must change. To the reality that I'm here to transform your life. I'm here to bring transformation to who you are. Listen, I came dead. I came dead in my relationship with God. I couldn't reach Him. 
I was far from Him. I came dead through conscience. Anyone ever had a dead conscience before? Can you tell me how scary that thing is? Oh Lord, I tell you, that is scary when you can't hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit anymore. You can't hear Him saying, Tim, you need to get out of this place because right now in it is mess, in it is brokenness. You can't hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit that says, that's not the way I want you to live. That's not the way I want. When that conscience is dead, it is scary. Listen, if you're in this room and you're saying, I'm feeling okay in my brokenness and sin. I'm feeling okay just doing me, just doing my best life, just doing my thing. It's all right for me. Listen, that's the scariest place to be because conscience is dead. Paul says we come through the cross and we come alive again to Jesus Christ. And in it, we come alive to the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit, the whispers, and as we obedient to the whisper, as we take the whisper, as we listen to the whisper, it becomes a shout. A shout that says, get out of here. Leave, flee that youthful lust. Flee those errors of your life. Listen, we live in a day and age and there's an old saying that says, we're going to love the sinner, hate the sin. But our day and age, things have twisted a little bit. It's this, love the sinner, love the sin, and hate anybody that tells you it's sin. That's the twist of today. Shifted. But we come through the cross, we see the sinner, which was me, which was lost. We see the sinner and He loves me. He loves who I am so much that He leads me back and revives His judgments in my life and says, Tim, it's the day to change, the day to be transformed, not in your own strength, but through grace, through grace that brings a transformation to our life. Paul again, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Verse 9 to 11, and listen, I don't come from the law again. I want to remind you in case you missed me saying it five minutes ago. I want to come through the violence of love to what Paul says to a church that is like us in a community like ours, broken and messed up, coming to Christ. He says this, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revelers, execution, uh, extortioners, sorry, not executioners, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is highly unpopular. I understand. I'm sorry for reading the Word of God in church. Please forgive me. And if I've offended you today, I want, to remember, I want to remind you, I'm talking about the violence of a God that loves us. He, he makes these statements and listen, we can pick and choose some of them and say, I, that person's definitely going to hell, but this other person's not. Listen, I, I'm, I'm covetous. I want everyone else's stuff, but I'm okay. But that other guy, his way of living, that's wrong. So he's definitely going. Listen, if we're clear here, he's pointing fingers right across everyone's mess here. He's pointing fingers at all of our lives in some aspect and some of our walking and some of our believing. And he's saying, listen, without Christ, none of us are inheriting the kingdom of God. But verse 11, he comes back through the cross and says this, and such were some of you. I look across this room, such were some of you. He's talking to the Corinthian church 
But he may have a bit of City Point West in this as well. And such were some of you. And such was some of you in this room. And such was your pastor standing up here with the microphone. And such was some of you. Oh, this is the beauty of the gospel. Can I have an amen from someone that's ready for this? But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of God. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. I want you to note this. Paul doesn't say, and such were some of you. But it's okay, you do you right now. Jesus still loves you. He doesn't say that. He says, you were washed and you were sanctified. And listen, I'm not standing here as a perfect person. I'm standing here as somebody that has been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And for me, Easter is my life. For me, Easter is everything. For me, the reality of the cross is everything. I stand here only because of the cross, but I also stand here with the next part of it and you were sanctified. What is that process of sanctification? It is revive me again to judgments. God, you love me. Loving kindness revived in my life, but revive me again to the fact that you need me to change, Jesus, so that I can come back to who you want me to be. You're sick of me being hurt. You're sick of me being broken. You're sick of me being lost. You're sick of me outworking my life in a mess state. My sexuality being outworked wrong. My belief system around who I am being worked wrong. Every aspect of my life, God, you come and to revive me back to the judgments that directed my life. Not being judged, but being directed by your judgments to bring me back to who you've created me to be. Paul says, you're washed. You are sanctified. The same grace that forgives and washes is the same grace that sanctifies and transforms. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. For this reason was the Son of God. He appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Listen, I've heard so many people say, how can a loving God send anybody to hell? I want to draw a line in the sand on this statement right here within City Point West to make it really clear. God sends nobody to hell. We send ourselves to hell. A loving God 2,000 years ago made a very clear path for all of humanity out of the brokenness of our life, out of sin, through Jesus Christ, through His cross, through His grace, through His sanctifying power, through His ability in the Holy Spirit to change our hearts, change our lives, not in our own strength. I can't do it. I'm a mess. I'm broken. I'm lost. I'm deceived. I'm caught up in my own life and living. But through the revival aspect of my life as I'm directed back into the beauty of God's direction for my life. You're washed. You're sanctified. Listen. There is conflict in this. I know conflict in our community, conflict in our society. They don't like the reality of what this means. Great theologian of the past, J.C. Ryle made this statement a couple of hundred years ago, not just today. He said this, If you show me a man deliberately living in an unholy, licentious life and yet boasting that his sins are forgiven, I answer, he is un, under a ruinous delusion and is not forgiven at all. I would not believe he is forgiven if an angel from heaven affirmed it. And I charge you not to believe it too. Pardon of sin and love of sin are like oil and water. 
they never go together. All who are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ are also sanctified by the Spirit of Christ. Again, let me remind you for the third time, I'm not talking about the law here today. Uh, We are freed in Jesus Christ. We are forgiven in Jesus Christ. But here David teaches us, thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your tender mercies. Allow those things to bring me back to your judgments and direction for my future and my life. Through your Holy Spirit that you would bring direction and judgment to me, to how I live, to lead me out of the bondage of sin, to lead me out of the bondage of my past, to lead me out of the bondage of my brokenness into a faith-filled, life-transforming life. I, I look at my son, Josh, again, as a dad, I want him to live his best life. I, I want to direct him and I've had to direct him strongly sometimes. I've had to give him strong words sometimes to direct his life. And I praise God he makes great decisions. I praise God he's a wise young man. I'm grateful for a son like that. I'm grateful that he listens and does those things. But there's been times where I've had to stop and say, listen, mate, you need to change this behaviour. You need to change your walk and your outworking of that as God does to us And you will see the fruits of making the right decisions. And he has. Turned 20 in a couple of weeks, runs his own business, working well in his finance. He's he's got a vision to be a pastor. He's leading his future forward, making great decisions in his own life and his own morality. Praise God for that. And the fruit is evident in how he lives his life. And it's the same in every aspect of our walk. The God is like that dad directing us Sometimes with some strong direction to our life. If you've ever been strongly directed by God, you know what I'm talking about. There's been times when God said, what you're doing is wrong, stop. And there's been times when I've been a stubborn kid and didn't stop. But He brings me back, directs me again, back into the fullness. And listen, the outcome is good. Being directed by the judgments of God brings good outcomes. The psalmist in Psalm 1 lays this out at the beginning of the book of Psalms. He said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the path of sinners, uh, nor sits uh, in, in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Listen, the outcomes of our broken world only take opening your eyes to see. Go for a drive through Anala today. And you will be able to see some brokenness. Because a whole generation doesn't want to be directed by the judgments and the direction of our God. And the outcomes are clear. Generational poverty, generational abuse, generational brokenness. But when we come back to what he says here, when we turn our eyes to Jesus, revive me to your direction. Revive me to your judgments. That that word judgments is so strongly directed back to the Word of God the Word of God for our lives, the the Word of God that lays out our future. We're going to look at that in the coming weeks as well. It's going to be so cool, I I promise you. It's the direction that's there, laying out our lives and laying out who we are, laying out how we work. He says, wherever you go, you shall prosper. 
blessing follows. And history tells us where revival spreads throughout the globe, blessing follows in those nations because revival is attached to the blessing of God that walks with our lives. But he says on the other side of that, the ungodly are not so. But listen, they're like chaff blown in the wind that the wind dries away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the ungodly shall perish. The psalmist wrote this thousands of years before Jesus said, listen, the son is here that you would believe in him and not perish. We come to the direction of God in our lives always through the cross. I want to remind you, always through. None of us walk in here perfected. We walk in here through the beauty of the cross and we come to Jesus continually praying this prayer, revive me again to your direction for my life. Listen, all of us through this week had moments of struggle. All of us in this week had moments where our flesh was speaking to us. All of us this week had moments where our old man was trying to rise up. As Paul said, put off that old man, but the old man was trying to come alive. He said, put off that old man, put on the, the things of God, put on what God has created us to be. All of us had trouble through that process this week. Every one of us. You, you may be sitting here feeling a little perfect, but you're still only perfected through the cross. And again, I'm not preaching law here today. I'm preaching what it means to come through the cross, come through love, through the conflict of transformation. Listen, this is the beauty of the gospel. Jesus loved me. He died for me. He forgave me. And such was I. But I've been washed. But I'm being sanctified. It's the beauty of Jesus for my life, for your life, for who we are. It's the beauty of the gospel. It's a conflict of love. It's a conflict of grace. It's a conflict for our today. Come on, let's pray. Holy Spirit. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.